0: When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaCanfora. Welcome back, everybody. In the Huddle, Carl Dukes along with Jason LaCanfora, Brian Baldinger will be with us on Thursday, and boy, do we got a lot to get to. Jason, this was a crazy week in the NFL, yeah. and it really wasn't about the games. It was more about... The calls in the games. So I want to start there because everybody in the world's reacting to what's going on in the NFL. It happened again last night in the Chiefs-Raiders game with roughing the passer. All right, let's rewind. Sunday, Grady Jarrett takes down Tom Brady. They call roughing the passer. It extends the drive, keeps the clock running for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Grady loses his mind. Everybody's going crazy. I didn't think it was a dirty play. I thought he was trying to protect Brady. And then last night, you see Chris Jones get called for what I thought was a strip sack. Back in the day, that used to be a strip sack. So what is going on with this roughing the passer stuff? Well, I'll take it back even a week
1: before that. Um, The Ravens are playing the Buffalo Bills in what could be a huge AFC tiebreaker type affair. And there's a defensive back blitz, Brandon Stevens, a corner slash safety. Wraps up Josh Allen, looks to be a pretty form tackle. Um, They throw the flag there, roughing the passer. Brandon Stevens didn't get fined this week. So that's an indication that – and now, look, was Buffalo going to move down the field and win that thing anyway? Probably, but it was in real time a call that got a lot of people's attention and and looked to be um, overly officious. And now we again we see it like you say in the in the Atlanta Tampa window, which I think was seen by a lot of the country, and then we see it on prime time on Monday night. And I think the Chris Jones one. I mean, they were they were all egregious. Uh, yeah, but the Chris Jones one. I, I mean, that is a huge individual who, if he wanted to flop on someone, we'd know it. You'd see it. There, it would look different. The quarterback would respond different. He goes for the ball first. He dislodges it. He continues to wrap up the quarterback and put his arm down to brace him and the quarterback as they go to the ground. It's football, man. Like if, And I am not one of these, like, the game was so much better before. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, guys clotheslining each other on concrete fields because those old astroturf fields were essentially concrete fields um made sense or was smart or was fair to those players it wasn't and the health and safety initiatives have by and large i think um worked well and certainly we're in a much better smarter place now in regards to actual player health and safety and and making the game as clean as can be. And you have to protect quarterbacks because there's fewer of them on the planet. And we don't want to see third string quarterback against third string quarterback, but you can't legislate tackling out of the game. And you can't mandate intent. Um, And I don't know that you can in real time in the blink of an eye determine intent. So, but Carl, I don't know where we go from here because if the history of replay, not just in football, but on all of professional sports has told us anything, whether you look at it in soccer with VAR, whether you look at it with baseball and and and, and what a ridiculous mess it can be there, or the NFL, more reviewable plays doesn't always mean better outcomes or more true outcomes or more consistent outcomes. Um, we saw it with pass interference. So I don't know what the answer is, uh, but someone's got to create either out loud or quietly, just with inner office memos or, or whatnot, um, an edict that like this is this pendulum has gone too far and um certain crews need to really think long and hard about what they're doing. Jerome Boger called The Brandon Stevens play and the great Jarrett play. Yes. Two plays back to back week. So like some, some, some there's a disconnect there and that doesn't mean that other crews don't have these same issues. We just haven't seen it come to the fore, but there's owners meetings coming up. You know, there's ways to quietly send messages there. There's ways to quietly caucus with people, you know, Troy Vincent, people in the NFL league office, Um, and for certain owners to say like look this is the optics of this now especially in an era where the league is it's not just dipping its toes in the gambling waters it's it's, it dove in you can use our you pay us enough money you can use our logos you can use our our stats you can use our nicknames you can use our proprietary stuff okay well then you got to clean this up because this is affecting the outcomes of games and it is affecting point spreads and over-unders and all that stuff that you know what the NFL you're now in that business you are in the business of wagering you take all these sponsorships you run all the ads you accept all
0: the money you're in the business and this looks shady they used to tell us they didn't care about that stuff right before they entered this realm this world of gambling it was always we don't concern ourselves with that Right. Now, it's all anybody's ever, anybody's talking about. So I totally agree with you. And here's the other part that I got to get to. Carl Dukes, Jason Lockham four In The Huddle, guys. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Subscribe, like us, and tell your friends about what's going on as we take you inside the NFL. The Tua Iloa reaction has caused this. Now, officials won't come out and tell right. us that. Right. Jerome Boger. Uh, and I, I went in on him as, as yeah. he deserved to be gone in on, yeah. you know, after the call on Sunday. And the, the reality is he's not going to come out and say, look, I got a call from the league. Oh, and yeah. We're at. Right. But you and I both know that there's something going on here because we saw it again last night. Yeah. So this is a complete overreaction. And, and to your point about affecting the outcomes of games, this right now, all right, as little or as big some people may think it is. This is an image issue for the NFL because people are watching and we're going, wait a minute, what's going on? Why are they calling that? Why are they protecting Brady? Why didn't they protect Patrick Mahomes last night when, when Perryman took him to the ground right. with the same tackle that Grady Jarrett had? So there's some confusion that's got to be cleaned up, and I'm solely putting this on the league office. You're yeah. absolutely right to say, hey, here's where we're at. I think, Jason, the review process – I'm, I'm really, I'm split on this. Yeah. I don't think people are going to tune out. And and let me use this example. Baseball's long. We're about to start the baseball playoffs and people are like, the games are too long. There's too much. And baseball's trying to speed it up. And baseball's fear has always been, if we add more replays and more, you know, checking the umpires count and all this stuff, people are going to go, it takes too, too long. I don't think anybody tunes out Sunday after the Grady-Jarrett play because the game was interesting. I don't think anybody tunes out Kansas City and the Raiders last night. Hell of a game because we're going to review this roughing the passer call to get it right. But I agree with you that it doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to get it right. But I'm right now with the frustration I have with what I've seen. We have had 15 calls of roughing the passer in the last two weeks, 29 total in five weeks. Fifteen in the last two. What happened three weeks ago? Yep. Tua Tonga Valoa. That's yeah. my issue. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, just like there was sort of this obviously um, soft edict to hey, let's really look at this closely. I think you can, in a similar way, message to these crews, um, and it doesn't have to be something that Roger Goodell himself talks about at the league meetings. He can just talk around it. Um, but yeah, this is, and we love, look, Roger will talk around it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, even when he's saying saying something, he's not, he's not saying something, but he's, he doesn't have to come out and say, Hey, we, we, we caucused with people and we sat down with certain members of the competition committee and we've decided that, you know, we've, we've quietly given a different interpretation to, to the, um, to the officials, he doesn't have to say all that out loud. But something has to happen. My concern with review is is not so much the length of time, but even the consistency there, um, because this is one of the gray areas, like pass interference, where there's some interpretation to it, and not everyone's going to interpret it the same way, and and not all these plays happen in games that do have sizzle, that do have playoff ramifications. Um, that are in these windows where there's the sole focus of the league office in New York on this one game. You know, if it's a, a 1 p.m. window and there's 10, 11 games going on, just like there's not as enough veteran officials on field, Right, brother, they got problems at the, at the league office and replay command as well. And in those big windows, you, 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 you talk to people at Park Avenue about who's actually monitoring some of these games. It's, it's not the most experienced former officials in the world. So, you know, and it's not like Troy Vincent and, you know, the head of officiating can be on top of everything in real time when all this is actions going on, you know, throughout the country and and abroad. So more isn't always better, you know, but the status quo is not good enough. And uh, these, these are, these are normal, clean football plays that, Are being turned into these game-changing events.
0: Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes in the huddle. We move fast, guys. We keep it moving. Let's talk about last night. Great Monday night football game. Certainly way better than what we saw on Thursday night. God forbid. I mean, that was terrible football Thursday with Denver. This Thursday might be worse. This Thursday might be worse. So (laughs) bite your tongue don't 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 go too hard
1: on the Colts and the Broncos because I commandos commandos and bears
0: might say hold hold my keg well listen hold my hold my keg hold my beer uh Carson Wentz had a chance to win and and at least they made it interesting at the end of that game I hope it's not as bad Thursday night was the first time last Thursday night in many years where I literally went I'm done like I didn't want to watch the game right but last night Monday Night Football Raiders now one and four with a minus five point differential. But a lot of people are talking about the decision to go for two points. Okay. Here's Josh McDaniels. He gives it to Jacobs. He comes up short. Jacobs was a beast last yes, night. Yes, he was. What do you make of the decision to go for two instead of kicking the field goal, tying the game at 30, and then just saying, hey, we're going to get a stop, which they actually did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I think
1: that a lot of people who analyze this game thought this game, well, look, the over-under was at 51. A lot of people thought this game. um, Both teams were clearly capable of scoring into the mid-20s and higher. And if you look at this Andy Reid-Patrick Mahomes matchup against the Raiders since they got there, it's been one-way traffic. Mahomes' numbers against the Raiders are ridiculous. And what, I think they hung – 30 plus on the Raiders in three of the last four meetings or one by 30 or more in three of the last four meetings in our head. Like it's been bad. And the Raiders defense is not much better. I mean, it might not be as bad as last year, but outside of of some of the, the, um, the ends up front, there's not a whole lot of there there. And I think Josh McDaniels was telling you on the fourth and one bomb to Adams that was telling you right there, okay, we could beat them up, ball control a little bit, and we're going to lean on our running back, but I got to chase points because I can only hold these dudes off for so long with what sure. I got. And the reason I love Mahomes and Kelsey in this game so much is the Raiders' red zone defense is an abject failure. It was last year, and then going to that game, I think teams had scored 12 of their 15 trips in. And Mahomes is a red zone genius. So I'm like, even if they, they play a lot of shell defense – and they forced KC to run the ball and they forced KC to to throw underneath. Once they get in the red zone, they're gonna they're gonna get points. And McDaniels knew that. So I don't have a huge problem with it because you may get the stop, you may not, but at least he kind of was was doing the same thing throughout the game. Um and I think he knew. I got to score in the 30s to win this one. And that's what he was trying to do. And it turns out he, he needed 31. Um, So I, I don't have a huge problem with it. I, I think he understands the flaws of that team. He inherited a broken defense. He hasn't – it wasn't going to be fixed in one offseason. It, it clearly isn't fixed. Um, And I think he also knew, too, that he didn't have Darren Waller. And, and you did see – the scope of that thing constricted a little bit as the sample size expanded. Okay, one drive with Adam, not a big deal. Another drive, not a big deal. But it ended up being force-feed the ball to Adams, right? It's either we get we get it going on the ground with Jacobs or we force-feed it to Adams. He didn't have that other matchup issue. You know, I don't think Renfro's 100% yet. Um,
0: so I, I don't have an issue with it. Did, did you? No, I, I didn't. I think in those moments, everything you're talking about, You've got to try to take command of the game, right? You've got to at least say, listen, you've been getting the yard all night. Jacobs is running through people. So it wasn't necessarily the play call. He just stopped it. He came up short. I I thought it was the right play call, and I thought it was the right decision because of everything you're talking about. And here's the thing about the Chiefs. You know, they're so dangerous. They're down 17, right? And it's almost like playing the Golden State Warriors. Oh, you're yeah. like you watch a Golden State Warriors game, and you're like, oh, they're down twenty, and then you look up, and all of a sudden, three, 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 yeah. three, and they're up three in the fourth quarter. You're going, what just happened? That's the Chiefs to me. It's like they strike so fast, so often. And and Kelsey, four touchdowns last night. We got to give him props. I mean, he's just making plays. Yeah. I, I see Kelsey run, and sometimes I'm like, he's not running away from anybody. Jason, it's like, right. but, he's, but he's still open, or he's
1: open enough. He's got one mid out there. Now they have a special connection. Um, and, you know, there was some frustration there in that Colts game, and I think they worked some things out and and probably went over and looked at some film and looked at some tendencies and said, all right, we're going to go the opposite way. We're going to run a little – we're going to stem a little different when we get this look next time um, to just sort of force force him open or force him open enough. And, and look, it's, it's a tough thing to defend because Mahomes doesn't care – like he can make any guy the star on any given play yep. he's just looking for matchups and he's his mind works so fast and his release is so quick and he's so accurate and he can extend it with his legs he can run it with his legs uh he can throw from unorthodox angles all that stuff when you put it in a blender like again can you hold him down for for a series can you hold him down for 15 minutes can you hold him down for 35. Are you holding them down for 60? You're not holding them down for 60. Uh, Very few defenses can do that. And I I think, you know, sitting there at halftime, I'm thinking KC plus two and a half, that's – give me that. I'm thinking KC money line, not out of the question. And over 57 sounds crazy, but it probably does go to 60. Yeah. Yeah. well, I, and, listen, and that's that's, that's you know, and that's how it that's how it played out. And I think if you're coaching against that,
0: you've got to be thinking that way. You gotta you gotta go for it. By the way, I, I did hit the over last night on a personal note. Jason Lockup up for Carl Dukes 51 and a half. I was like, come on, they're gonna score yeah. points. They're gonna score points. Um, I gotta ask you how about them Cowboys? Dude. If they go to LA, this defense, Jason. All right, you told me last week, I think I was talking with Baldy. And both of you guys agree, 49ers defense, stop. Yeah. Cowboys defense is really right unbelievable. Yeah. And you look at what Cooper Rush has done. He's not making mistakes. We talked yeah. about this. But tell me about these Cowboys because they've got the Eagles Sunday night. Now, we'll look ahead Thursday, but that is a huge marquee matchup. Eagles undefeated, but the Cowboys come in, and I'm kind of like, okay, Micah Parsons is looking like a once-in-a-generation oh, kind of yeah. guy. He is. Yeah, I mean, even when
1: he's sitting there riding the bike and trying to get loose and you're wondering about, you know, the soft tissue thing and is he going to be explosive and he's kind of limping, coming out to start the second half. But when it's time to go, fewer are going like him, man. It's uh, – what what a football player. What a what a game-changing force. And, and that Rams team, they don't have an offensive line right now. I mean, you're trying to play Dallas – on um a short-ish week and well they played the Monday night before right so it was a full-blown short week uh and you're talking about third string center and you're talking about left tackle issues and you're talking about guard issues and you can't really run the ball and you saw the 49ers force Sean McVay to get out of that 11 personnel already; right? couldn't live in three wides he's He's using a wide receiver as a fake fullback as a fake second tight end to right. try to get a little heavier just to protect his quarterback. They're not built that way. That's not who they are. They don't they don't have the personnel they need right now to protect the quarterback and they don't have the personnel they need to push the ball downfield. And the defense has been good. It has not been great. It hasn't been transcendent. Aaron Donald is is not having the greatest Aaron Donald season we've ever seen. Um So I really like Dallas in this spot. I thought they'd out-physical them. And I thought they'd continue to kind of run this keep it simple, stupid offensive philosophy uh, that really keeps guardrails on Cooper Rush, that makes sure both running backs see the ball, that makes them get at times multiple tight ends involved in the the, the rushing or passing attack more than we've seen in the past, and plays to their strengths, which is control the clock and let this defense – get this defense – In field position areas where they can really tee off and feast and change the game. We saw that happen from from the giddy-up in this one. So I think Dallas is more formidable and real than I've thought thought about them in a long time. If they adhere to what they figured out during this month, Mm. which is, okay, are we – like Dak Prescott was sixth in the NFL in dropbacks last year. He shouldn't be in – I'm not saying he should be 25th like Cooper Rush, but he shouldn't be 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th. Like, they They can stay more balanced. They can put more of an emphasis on high percentage passes, a horizontal passing game, getting Pollard involved early, more design screens for him, um, you know, more stuff with multiple crossers underneath. And let them do it with Yak, and, and let's keep the chains moving. But this idea of three verts all over the place and bombs away and you know showing off the look, Amari Cooper's not there anymore. It's just it, it, and I, I think the receivers, the hype doesn't maybe necessarily equate to their 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 true game changing ability. So they've discovered a new identity and it's one that I think they can amplify with Dak and expand with Dak. But they shouldn't scrap this. They know Mike McCarthy doesn't really, like Mike McCarthy's uber conservative. Yeah, and I think Jerry Jones has to have seen now, and he's the way he's talking about Cooper Rush tells you that he sees this version of the offense and how effective it can be. So I think Kellen Moore is going to get one of those memos, maybe like those NFL officiating crews. Somebody's going to whisper in his ear, I, I know like, you know, 50 passing attempts looks great on national TV, you know, for your coaching resume to be a head coach somewhere else. But that's that's not us. That's not who we want to be. That's not who we should be.
0: It's a disservice to our defense if we do that. I give credit to Mike McCarthy um, because this is a trying time. Again, anybody lose their franchise quarterback mm-hmm. in the first five, six weeks of the season, it's not a good thing, right? If this was Lamar, uh, where are the Ravens? If this was the Chiefs, where, oh, are, yeah. they, where are the, uh, where's Patrick Mahomes and where would they be? So I right. give credit to Mike McCarthy. Pollard is a better back than Zeke. Yes. Right now. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about Zeke in 2018. No, no. He was right a better back now, last year
1: than, than Zeke.
0: Yeah, I agree. And Pollard is a better back. So I'm trying to give Pollard more carries if yes. I am, you know, killing Moore. And I'm also, to your point about Gallup and C.D. Lamb and all these guys, the splash plays are great. But you set those up through what you're doing right yeah. now. You become more dangerous. And that's why this Eagles matchup on Sunday is going to be crazy. I love the Eagles defense. But mm-hmm. give credit to the Cowboys and Parson. I'll say this about Dan Quinn. I know Dan very well. He has morphed and changed the way that he thinks about what he wants to do defensively. When he came to Atlanta, he was a cover three guy. I was going to live in the Seattle stuff. There's Pete Carroll through three. And now, Jason, I'm watching the defense. And I'm going, DQ, you weren't doing that when you were yeah. here. He's got matchups that he's looking for. He's bringing guys that he used to blitz packages. He mm-hmm. is completely evolving, and that's really helped the Cowboys as well. Yeah.
1: No, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, We've seen that coaching family tree that Pete Carroll, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, Gus Bradley's hot for a minute, but the league's like, okay, we've, we've kind of figured that out. What do you got now? And it's like, uh, we're just going to be who we are and be the best cover three team we can be. And we've got our joker here and we'll fool you there with our Rover. It's like, uh, um, so no, I, I think there certainly has been an evolution there and Dan Quinn, someone who, uh, I'd be shocked if he's not a head coach somewhere next year.
0: All right. That leads us to our next thing. Carl Dukes, Jason four in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends. Make sure you're here every Tuesday, Thursday. We release new episodes right here. And get it on the Odyssey app, free wherever you get your podcast. All right. Before we get to Eagles and the Cardinals and the Ravens and the Bengals, Carolina fires their coach. Yeah. That rule let go yesterday. You just talked about Dan Quinn. There'll be other names, obviously, that are brought up. Where did Matt Rule go wrong? Because he came in and got a seven-year deal. David Tepper, the owner, very impatient, and had said going into the season, right? I mean, look, we got to win. Where do you think Matt Rule went wrong with where this thing is now? Because even the move to go get Baker Mayfield, I thought was the right decision. I did not know how good Baker would be, but you needed to go get a quarterback. He did that.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's, it is a tough adjustment, college to pro. It's been proven in various eras of the NFL. When the NFL was a run 65% of the time league, the NFL pass happy now, rule changes, all that. More of these guys failed than succeed. There was reason to believe because of his early career NFL experience. This was not someone like a Chip Kelly who had really only known the collegiate way that Matt Rule could turn it around I I bought it at first um and look David Tepper wasn't the only person who wanted to hire Matt Rule. the Jets were desperate to get him the year before that as were other teams he turned him down if Tepper didn't pounce financially the way he did the Giants were going to hire him like so I'm not a Tepper defender by any stretch of the imagination but like Matt Rule had been chased for, for a couple of years, and he had reached a point where enough NFL executives and owners were were thinking highly enough of him that it was just a matter of when he opted to take one of these jobs. Um they haven't the offense is not like they haven't really had an offense since he's been there. There's been times where he and Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, who was also tossed out, a longtime rule guy, um had it cranking defensively, but I just feel like they've never really had an offense. They've never really had an offensive identity. There was an hope and an expectation that McCaffrey's just good for 2,000 scrimmage yards a year. He wasn't. He wasn't good for 20 touches a game for very long because he just wasn't available. Um, they never really had a quarterback. Uh, never had anything you know in their passing game consistently that I think you had to fear. And I don't think he really, even as much as he probably thought he knew he understood the seismic differences between coaching men and coaching kids, it, it never really seemed to click. And this year, they should have fired him last year. I mean, anytime yes. a guy gets fired in October, you know that everybody in the league knew by last November that Rule is sniffing around hard with LSU, with Notre Dame, with the top power five comp schools. They didn't want him back. Tepper thought about whacking him last year. They win their first three games and then effectively punt on the rest of the season. Uh, Tepper decides to bring him in for one more year to see if they can do something with Baker Mayfield. But he knows he's on a short leash. Tepper knows he's on a short leash. And, you know, the whole league knows that Trace Armstrong, the agent for Matt Rule, is in the market for a college job. (laughs) It's his job. I mean, it's his duty to be. Like, I mean, you're not – no. I mean, it was what it was at that point. So anytime it's set up that way and the offense is still bad and the defense is 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 good but but not good enough to win games on its own and then a team like San Francisco comes in who are averaging about 15 points a game and and they start you know almost like a forty burger on you and you've won I think three he's won three games since that three game winning streak to start last season. I think Matt rules won three games. Yeah. So you win three games in a calendar year. You've back to back home games where it's atrocious and the fans are, are pretty much put off by it. Your offense. you don't have an offense. You just don't. And now your defense is, is a, 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 a unit that other teams are, are bouncing back, right? They're feeling good after playing you. Then you go ahead and you do it. Um, Look, Matt Rule will be fine. His pockets are straight. And, you know, if he wants Nebraska or Wisconsin or whatever, um, he'll end up at, at, you know, back in in big-time college football. But I don't think this is, Carl, a job that, like – and there's going to be eight of these open probably, maybe more by the time we get to January. Like, you can't sell the owner. The owner hasn't accomplished anything since he's been in the league. And the owner had a press conference. press conference on monday that if you listen to it if you already thought he was a little out there you're probably thinking he's way out like i don't know that that's the dude i'm going to go work for and
0: win with well like it's a great point i mean ownership matters right we know this And covering the league and and you can talk about personnel and the front office all you want ownership matters and the direction of the owner and it it still starts at the top and you're right about tepper I, i heard part of his conversation i guess his press conference where he was talking about patience And I'm like, what? You know, and he was talking about it's going to take, you know, five years or whatever to get to 20 years of success. And I'm like, time out. What are you talking about? This is the NFL. If you get the right guys, you can turn this thing around fairly quickly. But they've got a lot of issues. And now I think the next question, Jason, is Is there going to be a fire sale? I mean, are you trying to trade McCaffrey? Are they going to try to trade DJ Moore? They're just going to move on and say, hey, we're starting over. Uh, I don't know if it would be like. You know, rip it down to the studs. I think they'll try to
1: keep pieces on defense. They they know that that that's sort of where their 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 strength is. And they Steve Wilkes is there as the interim head coach. He's a defensive, obviously a defensive minded guy. We've seen him do good things with with various defenses over the years. Um, So I don't know. I don't think it's a full blown fire sale. But again, I, I reported a lot of this for the Washington Post weeks ago. Like they they were trying to trade Christian McCaffrey in the past. They've been willing to eat money to do it. Too hurt. That that's that's Two hurt. hurt. All the time. But I think he's gone. I think they'll eat money to move Robbie Anderson. If you want one of their offensive linemen, go ahead. I mean DJ Moore. Yeah. I mean if, if they got four draft picks. Like I don't know what David Tepper has to sell this job on other than there's only 32 of them in the world. The stadium is getting decrepit. He he had he came in guns ablaze and I'm going to build this world-class practice facility you know, just over the border in South Carolina, that's been a flaming disaster. There's lawsuits. It's been brutal. Um, the fan base is, he hasn't won over the fan base. The fan base is kind of at odds with the owner. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have great offensive personnel. And right now you've got four draft picks and they might mess around and win a few too many games to be picking in the top three, where you get your sort of pick of the litter and which should be a decent quarterback draft. Um, I, I I don't think he's going to be able to compete for the, the services of a Sean Payton or, or anything like that. Scott Fitterer, the GM, worked with Dan Quinn in Seattle. I, I'm sure that Dan Quinn will be high on their list uh, if they don't keep Steve Wilkes, who I, I think does have a shot to get that job. Um, hmm. I I just don't know that that's going to be the spot for Dan Quinn. I I, I, I think he may have other options that he likes that he thinks – or closer than being with the owner himself saying five years away, or, you know, the owner giving you mumbo jumbo about our football cultures messed up. No, you had a good football culture. You inherited a team that was going to the playoffs with regularity. What you didn't have was a front office culture because the guy who owned it before you was a lecherous, racist creep. That's right. That's right. You know, you, you, no, no, you had a football culture. Now you, you, you didn't continue to cultivate it or develop it, but like, it's just some of the mythology coming out of his mouth. I'm just like, this is not, this isn't reality. Um, so I don't know. Look, I remember when the Haslams left the Rooney family, minority owners of the Steelers, and they bought the Browns. There's a lot of smart people I know and respect with the Steelers organization. And they're like, this is going to be the worst thing that happened for us. Cause the Browns aren't going to be a sleeping giant anymore. Like, the Browns are going to be a well-run, very high-functioning franchise because of the Hasps. How's that, How's that working out? Hadn't happened. Hasn't No, happened. no. And I – you know, then Tepper was the same. Oh, well, he learned from the Roonies. He was around there as a minority owner for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was, he's going to – his learning curve won't be as steep. Like, he gets it. He's seen how sound organizations are run. He's seen the, co- the cohesion and, and the stability of the Steelers. Well, fool me once, I guess, but he ain't fooling me twice. And this this has been um, – it's been a, a bit of a bleep show. And maybe he gets it right this time. But I don't think this is going to be a coveted job. And I think he's going to find out, just like he did with the Deshaun Watson thing, that this – you're not going to have to, like, recruit people. You're going to just, like – you're going to have to keep throwing money at somebody until they take your job if, if they're going to get the, the, the kind of coach that you think – you're worthy of I you know and and it was kind of like that with rule right I think rule in his heart of hearts he had ties to the Giants I think that's where he was going until he was made an offer that he couldn't refuse and maybe that maybe Tepper does that again but it doesn't mean it's going to be effective because it certainly wasn't this last time around
0: yeah and rule got seven years you're talking about what seven million a year I mean come on coming from Baylor all right let's talk about fly Eagles fly 2017 they beat the Cardinals but should they have beaten the Cardinals? Well, Listen, I didn't like the Kyler Murray homework clause, whatever you want to call no, it. I thought it was home. faster. I thought the way the team handled it was crap. Yeah. So I didn't like it. No. you do not see Kyler Murray, not know down and distance in game situation, and slide and spike the ball and put your team in the position he put them in. I'm going, okay, maybe they were on to something. Maybe he's not – paying as much attention as he mm-hmm. needs to to what he needs to be focused on he's an amazing talent uh but jason i've not been impressed with this offense okay oh it's there like- you go it's not an
1: offense <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a
0: collection of concepts that eventually default to let's see what yeah. kyler can do that's it run around right run, run 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 and i said this run around run around run around and then i'm gonna find somebody or i'm gonna scramble for five six yards and we move the chains either way kyler slides it's what everybody's talking about it's what we're talking about okay is he the blame well look cliff
1: kingsbury has given no indication that he's an nfl head coach he just hasn't um his teams get worse as the seasons go on uh his offenses have gotten really worse by the year um i i there's not a whole lot of there there the general manager steve Kime is he's look he's it's He's like Bidwell's son. He he he
0: might as well be Steve Kahn Bidwell. They should just okay. add a Bidwell to his let, last name. Let so, me ask. Let me ask you this, okay? Before you go on, was there strife within the organization to not give Kyler this extension? Which is one why it took the, you know the length of time that it did, and then why they did some of the things and in adding into the contract as they did. Were there people in the building who said we're not ready to give it to him yet because he hadn't proved it? Well, the the problem is. The whole thing was set up as
1: the reason Cliff makes sense to us. Now it didn't make sense to a lot of people, but the reason Cliff makes sense to us is because we have the first overall pick, and we're going to get Kyler Murray, and that that's going to be where where like that's our whole thing. Like that's going to be our franchise. Those two are going to be so simpatico, and they're they're going to be so ahead of the curve with what's going on and in, in, in the melding of college and and pro concepts and we're going to have this incredible athletic quarterback. So that's why, that's why we're going to get good fast. Like that, that's, that's what, that's how we're going to turn the franchise around. So once you make the decision and I've heard for a while, it's not great between Kyler and Cliff, but they both know, like they know what, what Kyler got drafted into and what Cliff signed up for. Like this is the deal. So that's, that's part of the reason why I think you saw Kyler go to the mat, like, you know, with the screed from his agent and scrubbing the social media was to let them know I'm not coming around again until you pay me. And then he and the the coach have the same agent. So it's like, if you're going to bring cliff back, who are you going to get that can at least run around and do the schoolyard stuff when our real offense, which is a fake offense fails (laughs) to manifest itself. Well, who are you going? Like, what are you? That's all you got. So once you bring one back, like once, like and Steve Kime, I feel like he's hired 15 head coaches there. Like, I mean, so and he's putting, putting the staffs together for him. So, like, if you're not willing to fire Kime and and start completely over, and he's still selling you on, I think we're really close with this thing. You know, look how good we were the first eight weeks last year. So he he's in spin mode with the owner. If you're keeping those two, then, then we gotta we gotta pay Kyler. And then you try to sort of put the guardrails on, but it's asinine to put that stuff in writing. It's asinine to put that in a contract. And and to even do that, to even think you have to do that, is an indication that this thing is not going to work. But they did all of that anyway. That's right. And it's the same thing that it's been. And you you talk to people who game plan for them. You talk to people who advance scout them. And they, like, it, they all say the same thing. Like, there's not a whole lot of there there. He, he Cliff doesn't fight for matchups. Go look at their use of motion. Go, go, like he just wants to live in certain stuff. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, maybe Kyler would do it. He's he's not trying to reinvent himself week in week out to beat that particular opponent with this particular matchup and emphasize this thing instead of that thing. And then they also don't have great personnel. So, I, I mean. It's, it's baffling, but it's also like the NFL is not a meritocracy. It, it is not cronyism and nepotism and, you know, CYA, how can I cover my ass? What do I have to do to cover my ass? Well, if yeah. covering my ass means $187 million for Kyler and, you know, you keep keep giving this guy, you know, more guaranteed years on his coaching contract, then then that's, that's what you do. But – None of, nothing that's happened there has surprised me. It's not a smooth operation. They've got the worst scoring differential in the first half by a large margin. They can't do a damn thing on offense in the first quarter because they're not prepared because their game scripts aren't smart. And right. then in the second half, they're, they're, they're trailing Defenses sit back. Kyler runs around, and he either pulls a magic out of his hat or a rabbit out of his hat, or they come up just short. But, like, that's who they are. That's who they've been. And, you know
0: – they doubled down on that. So, I, I What you're saying, though, about week-to-week, game-to-game, and I pay close attention to this, and and I, I, I'm seeing what you're talking about when you talk about scripts and attacking teams in certain ways and using personnel and uh, emotion. And, and listen, I've known Kyle Shanahan for many years. He's the youngest coordinator when I met him. He was with the Houston Texans with Gary Kubiak. And Kyle is brilliant at this, yes. Yes. right? Brilliant. But I'm watching Arthur Smith do the same thing in Atlanta with – Less personnel, talent. Yeah, yeah, attack teams and get success. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Kyler Murray is the guy. And what what you're seeing to Jason's point is when things break down, and they do a lot with Arizona. When Murray makes a play, it looks like this fabulous play call. When in fact, it's just a broken play. Girl. Yeah. That's it. It's just a broken play. So I think there's the misnomer that you go, man, Kingsbury's calling a great game. And then you look at their scoring plays, and it's really not that way. So no. I'm with you. I don't know where that goes, but I do blame the slide and, and spiking the ball and not knowing down a distance and game situation. If you're going to be great in this game, you've got to know that stuff. Dude, is he going to be a difference maker you've got to know that stuff now you can say well he's young and he's he's going to make those mistakes uh, he's, he's, here with that.
1: he's got a second contract now like he's a veteran i mean exactly. you, you, you want to get paid after three
0: years you got paid after three years there's no excuses i'm with you all right let's talk quickly uh i want to ask you a couple of things because we got uh, a little bit more time here it's in the huddle guys subscribe like us jason lock on four follow him Read him, by the way. Great job. I, I always give you props, man, uh, all you. the stuff that you put out there. Carl Dukes, follow me as well on social media. Uh, Brian Baldinger will be with us on Thursday as we'll look ahead to the weekend games, and we got some big matchups. But um, I want to ask you about the, the Ravens and Bengals. Um, Bengals are 2-3. and three. Yeah. Coming off the Super Bowl run, right, it was just assumed they'll be better, and they went and spent money on that O-line, Leo Collins and company, They're 2-3. and Is it time to panic if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan? I don't think panic. I mean, you look around the AFC
1: and, you know, the Chiefs, as we talked about at the top, are are a special operation. And, and, you know, the Bills, if you want to put them in that tier, you can. But after that, it's a jumbled mess. Um, Bengals' defense is is legitimate. Um, If you're looking for positives, they weren't even running the ball against cover two shells for most of the year. They at least got to go. Baltimore wants to sit back and, and, and play that stuff. I think Joe Burrow is gradually leaning more into um taking what's there and kind of going through that metamorphosis that Mahomes did where all right, if it is cover two and cover three all the time, I, I'm not gonna force it to to chase. I'm I'm gonna find something underneath. Them not having T. Higgins, like they, they, they last year they had no injuries, right? Like almost no injuries. This year we've already seen stuff start to happen. So it wasn't going to be the magic carpet ride that it was the second half of last year. Um, They've got to continue to put, get some push from the offensive line and be able to run the ball a little bit. And again, we saw some of that, Uh, but like their last five possessions was like touchdown field goal, field goal, long drive. They had the one uh, queen interception and then they scored, you know what I mean? Then they scored and then they went for it on fourth instead of kicking, Care, right? yeah. So it's not like people like all the Ravens shut them down. I'm like eh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say that. Well, the Ravens held um, him to what? 17 points. They right? did. They did, but they got him off the field. If he takes the points with the field goal, they would have gotten him off the field one time. Okay. Out of five. Right. So look the, again, the defense is really sound. The defensive coordinator is really smart. Um, Winning at Baltimore on a Sunday night when Baltimore has lost five straight at home is a bit of a hornet's nest. And again, if Zach Taylor takes the points on the road, they 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 very well may win that game. So, no, I don't think it's panic mode. Um, I think that's a playoff team. I, I think don't get in, and once they get in, anything can happen with Joe
0: Burrow. But I feel like they're still going through some stuff offensively. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes in the huddle. Brian Baldinger on Thursday. Guys, we talk all things NFL, and we take you inside the stories you care about. Make sure you're here. Subscribe and like us. We got to run, man. We will talk again. Jason, great job as always. Can't wait to this weekend to talk about the games on Thursday and see what's going to be popping, man. Thank you so much as always. Give Balding my best. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Jason, take care. You have a great day.